Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Money and me on your money. Only on Money FM 89.3. When the pandemic hit, a lot of people speculated if the number of divorces we were going to see in Singapore would rise. Almost counterintuitively, there were fewer divorces filed in Singapore last year. Despite the pandemic, there were about, about 6,000 divorce writs filed last year. That's about 5% fewer than in 2019. And the Family Justice Court's caseload fell by about 8% last year. Speaking to the Straits Times, Times, lawyer, lawyer Gloria Civetta said some couples thinking of divorce had second thoughts or delayed their plans as they were worried about their finances given the deep economic recession and the financial costs involved with going ahead with a divorce during precarious times. Divorce we know is expensive. In fact, it's one of the most common ways that people, especially women and children, fall into financial difficulty. We're taking a closer look at divorce today in Money and Me. What could mean for your money. And then later, a closer look at a shocking case of the domestic helper tortured to death at the hands of her employer. What are the laws in place to protect our domestic helpers? Those questions answered by our legal expert, Justin Chan, Senior Partner, Head of Dispute Resolution at Tito Isaac and Company. How are you this morning, Justin? I'm good, Michelle. Thanks for asking. Oh, thank you very much for coming on. So when it comes to divorce and money, we know that divorce it can be very expensive. What do the courts in particular look at when deciding on the division of assets? And could this possibly change? Oh, um, well, under Section 112 of the Women's Charter, that, that's the definition of matrimonial assets. So I think the court looks at what is a matrimonial asset first before deciding on division. Now, uh, matrimonial assets will include assets acquired by either party during the marriage, assets used by one or both parties or their children for various purposes, or assets before the mar- acquired before the marriage but substantially improved in quality during the marriage. Uh, now, there are some assets which are excluded from the definition, and those are assets received as gifts, for example, or uh, in, uh, and inheritance. Uh, gifts and Inheritance that have not been improved during that marriage are not going to form part of this pool. So this will be taken outside of the pool, and then that pool will be divided accordingly. <clears throat> and uh, the courts will generally look at direct financial contributions by the spouse, indirect financial contributions, meaning childcare, support for your spouse, support for any aged parents, whether you've indirectly contributed to your spouse's uh, needs of the children and agreement made as to division. Um, courts will usually look at what is the fairest division. And um, in terms of change, I just wonder whether, well, divorces are expensive simply because of, um, mostly because of the contest over the ancillary matters, and that includes asset distribution. Mm-hmm. So I just wonder whether um, the recognition that absolute recognition of prenups. Um, that, that's a buzzword that, that American solicitors use all the time. Uh, whether prenups should be enforceable in Singapore. Because if you have decided how to divide the, uh, the matrimonial assets, that's, that's half the battle won. 
Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm concerned here. I'm not sure whether we should actually follow that lead while it would be a great savings of time and cost. Hmm. Uh, at the heart, we're a country with traditional Asian values, you know, to, to reduce the wealth. Because it's, uh, currently, the, the court looks at what is fairest between the parties at the time of the divorce. So to reduce that, that analysis down to a contract signed pre-marriage may also not suit. Yeah, prenups make everything a lot cleaner, prevent you having to go to court and fight a, a, a long, drawn-out court case where you know lawyers' fees can be hefty as well. So you're saying prenups are not enforceable here? Um, they're not enforceable, but they can be taken into account, into account by the court to see what is the fair distribution between the parties. Uh, like I said earlier, the court will take into account any arrangement uh, made between the parties as to the division of assets. So if there's a prenup that, and it's a relatively short marriage, for example, that's likely to be given some weight. But but under what conditions can the court not take into account a prenup? Um, our courts, you mean? Yes, our courts. Uh, our courts generally don't... don't uh, it, it's not strictly enforceable. Our oh. courts don't strictly enforce the prenup, but they'll look at it and say, OK, looks like you all have agreed to divide your assets uh, 50-50. You know, and looking against the background of your case, I think that is also your your case allows me to give that division. So um, that will be followed. The prenup will may be followed, but it is not strictly enforceable. As as in, they will not look at a prenup. And go, okay, we'll give you what you wanted here. Right. Okay. What do you think we can learn from other jurisdictions when it comes to how division is carried out? I'm sure all courts aim for fair divisions, but are there differences in terms of jurisdiction, in terms of how this is implemented? Uh, yes. Uh, other jurisdictions, for example, like Hong Kong, um, start at a presumption of 50%. So you allow 50% of, of assets regardless um of your financial contribution, your non-financial contribution, uh, that's fixed. Um, and of course, there's the prenup example that the, the states uses, the US, where you follow whatever is stated in the prenuptial agreement. I mean, if it's 100-0, then it's 100-0, you know. Mm. So that is something um, that may may be followed, but I, again, I think our social construct doesn't doesn't allow for that. But right now, people could opt for a prenup if they wanted to, and the courts may then take it into account. That's where, yes. that's where we stand now here in Singapore. That's correct. Um, if, if I could suggest something, that uh, a postnup may be a better idea than a prenup. Well, what's a postnup? Um, a postnup is an agreement signed after parties are married, but before divorce. Ah, okay. So that's more likely to be given judicial recognition. Why is that? Um, well, I think it's because parties are already married. You, you, you're making a decision based on real facts and matters. Mm, okay, that makes a lot of sense. So when it comes to um, fault, you know, people often think, but I'm the aggrieved party here, therefore I should get more. Does that factor in at all in the division of assets? Um, not, not in Singapore. For Singapore, the uh, division of matrimonial assets is a fault-free system. The reason why parties get uh, get divorced in the first place, yes, that's fault-based because you have to prove to or demonstrate to the court why you want to be divorced. 
And that usually falls into a few categories. Two-year desertion, three-year separation with consent, and um, it, for example, we have Australia, which goes, if you're separated for 12, 12 months, you're immediately entitled to divorce. So the, the reason for divorce is fault-free as well. So that's something that we, I guess, as a system we could look at. But again, social, you know, is, is that socially digestible by us? Okay. So if prenups were enforceable, uh, that could save a lot of time and costs. And if you're thinking of post-nups, that's likely to be more enforceable here in Singapore. Yeah. Okay, that's got it. Fair. Got it. Uh, what about during the settlement process? Divorce can be long and drawn out. What What are the sort of financial obligations that come into play during the settlement process? Oh, yeah. Uh, one, once parties uh, file for divorce, there's usually some form of mandatory mediation that's being convened. So it, uh, it's at this mandatory mediation that uh, parties can decide what's the status quo going to be before the f- in relation to divorce. So this could uh, touch on matters such as maintenance, for example, maintenance for the wife, maintenance for the child, uh, and these can be trashed out during mediation. But if there is no sort of uh, consensus on this, then one or either party needs to take out an application uh, for uh, for that order that they want, that interim order that they want. So there is a legal route so that you can file for maintenance, so to speak, during s- the settlement process? Yeah, that's correct. Okay. And what happens if one party says they cannot commit to their maintenance commitments because of unforeseen circumstances, uh, pandemic last year, for example? Oh, yeah, it's a... It's, it, it, it can be quite sad because um, a divorce is tearing down finances. Either way you look at it, there is a there's less ability to do a financial act if you are single versus working as a unit with your spouse. So if you can't, for some reason, uh, handle the uh, any orders, then you would have to apply to court uh, under a change of financial circumstances. Mm. To say that, hey, look, you know, I've lost my job or, you know, my, my pay has been halved and I just can't afford what I was previously giving. Uh, so, yes, there is a legal recourse for that, but you must prove the change of financial circumstances. Got it. And just to revisit the key um, points that we made earlier in our discussion on uh, divorce and money, if someone was listening in and thought, I think a prenup or a postnup is a nice, neat way to think about uh, financial assets and their division, would they just uh, be able to see a lawyer privately and have this drawn up? Is that how it works? Um, yes, uh, you, you should reach out to an uh, experienced family lawyer and ask uh, and probably the route to take in Singapore is a post-nup agreement. And uh, there will there will be probably one lawyer at the beginning, but because this is a contract entered into by two parties, mm. it's 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 the best best practice that both sides are represented. Because you you don't want the other side to say, well, you know, your lawyer didn't explain this to me fully. Oh, or so you have lawyer. two lawyers involved then? Is what is that what you're saying? Yes, have two lawyers involved, at least at the at the final stage where the contract is being reviewed, where the post-up agreement is being reviewed. Right, right. Got it. 
His name is Justin Chan, our legal expert. He's senior partner, head of dispute resolution at Tito Isaac and Company. Let's switch gears and talk about a shocking case in the headlines. The 24-year-old domestic helper from Myanmar, Pyang Yai Don, subject to starvation, torture, ultimately met death at the hands of her employer. She was just 24 uh, when she passed on, on July 26th. 2016. She weighed just 24 kilograms then, 38% of her body weight she lost since she had started working here in Singapore in May of 2015. We've heard our manpower minister Josephine Teo saying the abuse and torture suffered by the domestic helper is appalling. It should never have happened. Help us understand what are the charges that the culpable are currently facing, Justin? Uh, this, this is a, what, a tragic case. Um, in Ms. Piang's case, um, there are, I think, 28 charges, including culpable homicide under Section 304A of the Penal Code. And there's a, there's a whole, in the double digits. Oh, Justin, you're breaking up. I'm going to have to ask you to, to just repeat oh, that for us. Yeah, go ahead. So twenty-eight um, charges, including 28 charges. including culpable homicide. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, that's under Section three zero four A of the Penal Code, and there are other charges. I think um, about eighty plus that are going to be taken into consideration. So uh, the, the prosecution is asking for life imprisonment at the moment, mm-hmm. but this is a fringe case. Um, this is a case which happens. Um, I wouldn't say once in a once in a long while. I mean, it's been a while since we've had something with with such abhorrent facts. Uh, but in most cases, it, uh, most made of these cases are charged under punishment for voluntary causing hurt. That's Section three two three of the Penal Code, mm-hmm. and that can be punished with imprisonment for a term which may expen- extend to three years, or with a fine of five thousand, or with both. Three to five, which is punishment for voluntary causing grievous hurt, and that's punishable with ten years imprisonment, and also liable for fine or caning. So the 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 current laws are very strict and and, and fairly harsh. I mean, um, that should be a deterrent factor. I mean, uh, I think uh, the general public should know about this and know that there are strict laws in relation to abusing another human being. Yeah, I think it bears revisiting sometimes to remind employees, you know, that you have a human being in your care, but here's what the legal system expects from you as well. So what what else can employers be accountable for when it comes to care for domestic workers? What are the other laws in place? Um, what's interesting here is that there's a specific provision in the penal code that provides for accelerated punishments for main abuse. Uh-huh. That's under Section 73.1 of the penal code. So uh, you can basically double uh, the sentence or maximum punishment that, uh, that the court can give because simply because it's a main abuse situation. So there's an additional tariff, there's an additional protection inbuilt into our penal code for domestic helpers. Whereby the punishment could be doubled. Yes. The maximum that the law currently calls for. So instead of 10 years, you could be seeing 20 years, for example. Yes, that's correct. 
imprisonment. Terrific. Well, thank you for helping us. Um, just dreadful case, and it really has been weighing on my mind since I read read about it. Uh, Justin Chan, Senior Partner, Head of Dispute Resolution at Tito Isaac and Company. Justin, have a wonderful day. Same to you, Michelle. Thanks so much. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SBH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.